Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut in pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about CWD. More specifically, we're talking updates on Ohio CWD situation, um, new information on the the new disease surveillance area, as well as the the other existing disease surveillance area expiring. So that's what we get into today. It's good information for anybody that that lives in the new disease surveillance area or hunts in the new disease surveillance area, as well as anybody else in the state, because. You know, it's basically how uh, the ODNR plans to handle CWD when and if it expands, shows up in other places. So we can sort of look at this for clues as to how hunting can and will change in areas where CWD is detected. So before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub is a deer feed company and they're an Ohio deer feed company. And what that means is they try to source everything right here in Ohio. So their ingredients, their packaging, everything comes from Ohio, which I find really awesome, honestly. I think, you know, I know me and, and my family and friends are... are really starting to pay more attention to where our products are made, trying to buy things that are made in the in the US. And if we can buy things that are made right in our home state, even better. So not only is it made here in, in Ohio, but it's a great product. You've heard us talk in the past. We've had really good success with their, their signature monster white tail grub feed, which is a high protein feed. It's got uh, like powdered mineral mixed right into it. And you can get all kinds of different additives added into it. So lots of things to check out there. They've got flavored corn as well as just straight minerals. So all kinds of options. Check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors. There you'll find a link on how to get in touch with them. See what they have to offer and uh, order some of their stuff. And now let's get into our conversation on CWD. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so it's update time on... CWD in Ohio. So there's been some new information come out, and I guess in preparation for this upcoming hunting season, and 
we figured now would be a good time to go over that since the, the information's relatively new and, and we told everybody we would keep you up to date on any new developments on CWD. So I don't expect there to be any new developments between the time we record this and when we release this, but I guess just for just for clarity's sake, this information is accurate up through June 21st when we're recording this. So if there's something, you know, new information that comes out between now and when you guys are listening to this, you know, some of this may have changed, but I, I don't foresee that happening, but just want to put that caveat out there. So, um, this is only going to impact a small portion of our listeners directly, but it's good information for everybody in that when and if CWD is, is found detected in an area you hunt, you know, you can look to this as an example of how they're going to handle it, what you should expect to have to deal with when something like this happens. So yes, it's only going to direct us or, uh, impact a small portion of people directly, but this information is valid for everybody who hunts in Ohio, whether you live in Ohio or travel here to hunt, it's important for everybody to know. So, right. Because uh, I mean, it also, I mean, it's just explaining how the state is handling this CWD outbreak that we have. If, if we'll, if you can even call it that, but right. you know, how they're how they're handling it and you know what's what's being done to protect the deer herd right because there's been cwd detected in the state prior to this but it was always in captive deer herds this is the first time that cwd has been detected in the wild deer population so i guess jeff do you kind of want to kick us off summarize this or if not i can well yeah to give the background um so yeah uh cwd has been detected in captive deer um in the past i think in 2014 was the first captive deer that was detected in ohio um and they started a a disease uh, surveillance area around that herd where that captive herd was. Um, but last hunting season, the 2020-2021 deer season, uh, there was two deer harvested in the wild that uh, tested positive for CWD. Um, a mature buck and a yearling doe. Um, they were both harvested uh, very close to each other um, in Wayne Dot County. Um, and actually, they were both, one was harvested uh, at Kildeer Plains Wildlife Area, the refuge part of the wildlife area. And the other one was killed within a mile of the wildlife area. Yeah, the Kildeer Plains deer was that was the yearling doe that was taken during a, one of the controlled hunts they do out there, right? In January. Yes, I believe so. Yes. Okay. And after the first one was detected, they were testing all deer harvested at that controlled hunt. You know, they, they weren't 
sample, you know, taking a sample, they were testing every deer harvested. Um, so that's kind of the backstory. So now the state has uh, enacted a, a disease surveillance area around with its uh, all of the townships that are within a 10 mile radius of the uh, two positive cases. Yeah. So that's all of Wayne Dot County portions of Hardin and Marion County. I think basically northern Hardin and Marion County. Yeah, it's like it's uh, six townships in Marion County, like the the northwest corner of Marion County, and then three townships in Hardin County along the eastern, northeastern and eastern edge of Hardin County. But yeah, it's, uh, and then, yeah, yeah, like you said, everything in Wyandotte County. Right. So what, what this means is if you're familiar with the other, uh, disease surveillance area in the state, um, that was created after those captive deer tested positive, um, the rules are very similar, almost identical. Um, but all deer harvested within those uh, townships uh, have to be presented to the ODNR to be sampled for CWD. Um, you have two options to present it to them. There is a in-person, like you can take your deer to someone, they will take the glands that they need from your carcass and give you your deer back or there's a self-service kiosk there's self-service kiosks which i don't know the exact procedure if you will but you are basically removing the head and neck of the deer and dropping it in this self-service kiosk and then they will come and collect those and test them you know they'll you'll get a receipt create a receipt so that they can contact you but you are dropping it off at these kiosks so it sounds like a self-serve kiosk if you have a trophy buck you don't want to you if you're if you, if you have to drop the whole head and neck off you don't want to if you've got a trophy deer that you want mounted you need to find one of the the uh, Division of Wildlife Inspection Stations. Right. Also, if you have a trophy deer or any deer, um, you also can take it to a certified taxidermist or processor. Um, But you have to do that within 24 hours. Yeah, it has to be delivered to the certified taxidermist within 24 hours, right? Yes, yes. And... Not all taxidermists, not all processors are CWD certified. So especially if you are, you know, if you hunt in that area and are planning to, you know, your your taxidermist or your processor is not really close to that area. Um, it would be a good idea to make them aware of this so that they can become certified or find 
a processor or taxidermist in that area, you know, one or the other. Yeah, the information from the Division of Wildlife for like um, dates and times of operation for the in-person inspection stations and where the self-serve kiosk will be located. They just say it'll be posted on wildohio.gov. So uh, I don't know, Jeff, did you see any any more specifics on that kind of stuff or just they're going to have to no. check back? And I, yeah, I think it's a, you're going to have to check back because I, I looked for it and couldn't find it as of yet. Um, it was not on there on the ODNR's uh, CWD page as of yet. And if you can't, there was, you know, come, come hunting season, if you can't find it, you know, I would imagine call the, the local division of wildlife officer that is assigned to that area. And I'm sure they can help you out. Yeah. Or just the, the ODNR hotline. I mean, yeah. just about anyone can help you out. Yeah. Sure. Um, the other thing that this uh, disease surveillance area does is it now makes it illegal to feed or bait deer, um, period, um, which includes minerals and bait, um, you know, corn, whatever else, fruit, whatever else you want to throw out for them. Yeah. Um, if you plant a food plot, that's still okay. Um, but placing any food to either feed or bait deer is now illegal. You can't do that, that act, those actions inside of the D disease surveillance area. Yeah. Um, so that, that may change, uh, you know, how some people are hunting. And, uh, maybe if you live in that area, maybe you, uh, need to get on getting a food plot in somewhere so that you know if you're someone who's used to hunting over corn or something well and the thing that that i when i read that because i thought it was interesting you know jeff you talked about the the previous disease surveillance area that wasn't too terribly far from us and i didn't i mean we don't we don't hunt within that zone but it wasn't far from us and back then I mean, that was pre-podcast, you know, I didn't know anything about that or the restrictions or, you know, any of that. And so as I was reading through some of this, I was like, oh, that's good to know. I mean, like I said at the beginning, it's it's sort of uh, paints the picture of what to expect if a deer in an area you hunt is, you know, ends up testing positive for CWD, you know, of what what you should expect. And, uh, you know, the, the, the baiting or feeding deer, it brought up a question on what about people who don't hunt, hunt and just feed the deer? Now, how do you make those people aware of something like this? I mean, cause I have my neighbors across the street, you know, I, they, they have a yard and then back behind them is big big farm field and I had asked them to hunt and they said, Oh, you know, appreciate you asking, but, but we like to feed the deer and, and turkeys and, and just watch them. You know, we just like to, to see them back there. Uh, you know, 
had I been living in a, um, you know, a disease surveillance area, they would be violating this, uh, these regulations unknowingly. Right. Like, I don't know how it's a, it's a, I guess I just bring it up to highlight the challenges on something like this for somebody like the ODNR. I mean, I would imagine there'll be hunters that are unaware of these restrictions come this upcoming deer season, just because, you know, I don't know, I I buy my license. I know what the regulations are. I go to the same spot. I hunt, you know, whatever. Right. Right. I've been hunting this same spot for 20 years. I go in on Saturday, put a pile of corn out Monday morning. I go shoot a deer off of it. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 And like you said, there's no reason for someone who just feeds the wildlife to even look into the regular, I mean, I guess there is. You should know the regulations about feeding wild animals, I guess. But um, like I said, if you've always done it, what would trigger you to be like, I should read these regulations again. Right. Um, and then just out of curiosity, I don't I didn't read the exact <clears throat> uh, regulations, but do they list like penalties for not complying with the check in and all that stuff? Did they do they say what? happens no not that i saw yeah. yeah i didn't see that anywhere so yeah i have no idea what the penalties are for non-compliance i don't but, you know i don't i don't think that's uh uncommon you know typically you know hey it's against right. the law or it's against the rules or whatever but what you do if you you know what happens if you uh violate those uh, you know yeah I guess break the rules and find out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I guess yeah, I, with kind of how to educate people, I mean, I think the, the best way to really get the word out is most people, you know, who are feeding wildlife or buying that feed from somewhere, whether it's corn or soybeans or bird seed, you know, they're buying it from somewhere and potentially you know, putting signs up at the the retail location and saying like, hey, you know, it's illegal to feed deer in this area. You know, that's go a, to Walmart, that's a good idea. tractor supply and. Right. Yeah, I would. That would probably work. Just have them all put a sign up that says effective whatever date it is illegal to feed yeah. deer due to positive or whatever. Just mandate yeah. they all post. Yeah. I mean, you'll still miss a few of, you know, people who whatever get it maybe from a farmer or whatever. But generally, I would say you're right. They pick it up at some sort of a feed store. Yeah. I guess one thing to note, they, they do say that uh, normal agricultural activities, you know, feeding domestic animals, um, you know, that kind of stuff, this, this doesn't impact any of that. So if you, you know, I don't know if you have feed troughs that deer eat out of as well, or, or feed lots or whatever that, that deer get in, you know, that's, 
you know, they can't stop people from, um, well, I don't know, maybe they could, but at this point, this doesn't impact any agricultural activities, um, as far as livestock or anything like that. So I'm going to pause the conversation here briefly to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. Mastin's is a deer scent company. They're also a predator scent company and they make a really good scent product at a reasonable price. I know I like to use scent in the, in the woods in the fall, especially during that rut time frame. I think scent, estrus scent can, can really help you. So check them out, mastinsdeersense.com. They've got your liquid scents. They've got scented gel crystals, which you can refresh and use over and over with the liquid scents. They've got your scent drippers. They've got their um, double scent stacker, which allows you to use one of their deer scented candles, like doe and estrus candle mixed with one of their liquid scents. So lots of different options and combinations you can run with that. So check them out again. That's mastinsdeersense.com. But yeah, I, uh, it's an, it'll be interesting to see how many deer they I mean, because everything that's harvested within there is required to be checked. Jeff, do you know, like, uh, come fall, are they going to be, is the, I mean, you're required to submit a sample. Are they, are they going to be submitting all those samples for testing or are they going to be taking a sample of all the samples that are submitted? I'm pretty sure of uh, it's a hundred percent test rate okay inside the disease surveillance area it's a hundred percent test rate they'll be testing every deer that they they get a sample from and they also i believe all roadkill deer have to be tested and they've already started doing that testing all roadkill deer that they're finding in the area yeah, and I had read that uh, they had they had tested an additional seventy two deer in the you know in that location after the hunting season, and no positives were detected. Now I don't know I don't know the way it's worded. Although the ODNR had been monitoring the areas, an additional seventy two deer were tested from that location after the hunting season with no positives detected. The more we create a disease surveillance area, oh, the move to create a disease surveillance area allows for the enactment of additional rules that will help, with the help of Ohio hunters, will allow Division of Wildlife Biologists to better monitor the disease. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of fascinating, really, that, you know, with how contagious they say CWD is and that basically we it's been caught with not what seems to be not a very high infection rate yet yeah you know it's a few deer so potentially i mean if they are active at trying to manage it 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 really could you know stop the spread Right, yeah, that's yeah. one thing I'll be interested to see is uh, 
you know, Kildare Plains. Last year, there was 152 uh, controlled hunt opportunities at Kildare Plains. I'll be very interested to see how many opportunities there is this upcoming year. Because it seems like a good idea to reduce the population as much as possible to limit the the ability to spread yeah limit the ability to spread and increase the the testing right the more deer you can test the better picture you can get of you know how bad is this really yeah and probably by the time this comes out the controlled controlled hunt catalog will be out so you'll be able to go look and see if it's more or less opportunities than last year yeah but i would i would have to imagine that they would increase the opportunities there because it only makes sense to limit the deer herd you know in the short you know in the short term to protect the deer herd for the long term sure um on a happier note is the the disease surveillance area from the uh the captive deer that was created after the captive deer tested positive um will expire barring any new positive tests uh, will expire July 31st. Woohoo! <laughs> so, right. Uh, and they can, the people that live in that area can resume, I, I guess, the words normal activity. They can yeah. go back to baiting deer, however, I guess I don't want to say however they want, because I'm sure there's some way, you know, I don't know, but they can bait deer and put food out for deer and they don't need to uh, report all harvests to uh, someone to sample it. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's one hurdle cleared that the deer, it, you know, doesn't seem like CWD made the jump from those captive deer to the wild population yeah but unfortunately somehow cwd popped up in the wild population somewhere else kind of unexplainably yeah yeah that's that's uh, that's still has me stumped like where where did it come from because like you said it's sort of just you would expect it to start to migrate across the state from states that, you know, from areas that border states that have CWD. Right. And when we talked to um, the Division of Wildlife, because we did an episode with the Division of Wildlife when they first announced this, um, you know, at that time, they told us that they didn't think that this came from a, you know, a, an escaped deer from a, a captive, you know, there's, they said there was no captive deer 
areas or, or captive deer farms in that area. So I don't, yeah. Yeah, they they seemed pretty stumped as to, yeah, I mean, the picture was still, you know, it was still pretty on pretty early on. Yeah. You know, it was at that point, I think it was just one deer that they had, you know, that had tested positive and they, they were pretty stumped as to how it, you know, but they, I think, I mean, I, I would have expected that once they ramped up monitoring and testing that they would have, found a bunch more you know not just one right you know i would have expected that they you know basically that it was uh the first domino you know once once you find one in the wild there's it's too late you know there's too many in the wild to to manage and but it it seems so far that it's actually a pretty isolated outbreak so far. Yeah. I mean, only, only time will tell if, uh, you know, we'll look at this, you know, look back on this in five years as, you know, this was ground zero for the spread of CWD in Ohio, or if, you know, it was a weird anomaly, CWD popped up, they increased monitoring, maybe increased hunting opportunity in, in the area and sort of snuff it out. And, you know, some time goes by and they'll they'll remove the or discontinue the disease surveillance area, just like they did in, in the other instance in the Holmes, Wayne County area. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think that this outbreak was. I mean, anything that anyone was expecting. No. You know, I I think people had the idea like, oh, it, you know, probably, you know, an outbreak near a major city, you know, where deer populations are high and people feed the deer all the time. And then, you know, someone's going to bring a carcass that is infected in and then just dump it in their backyard. And, you know, I think... I think people expected it in, you know, either to come across the border or come from a captive deer population, you know, areas that have a lot of captive deer or, you know, in an area that has a very high deer density. And it kind of showed up in an area that has a average to slightly below average deer density. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not not near the border and not really close to any captive deer populations. Yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely not what anyone was expecting, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's got me stumped, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just wish we had some sort of cause or reason or we were able to figure out where it came from so we can stop it. You know what I mean? Like if it was a identifiable cause, then we could 
kind of trace it back and prevent whatever caused it, whether it was a dumped carcass, whether it was whatever. Um, Because I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I hope that it doesn't happen, but I, I kind of feel like with this increased monitoring in the surveillance area, they're just going to turn up more and more and more if it's a true wild population issue because there's no yeah. way to control the wild population other than wipe it out and start over essentially but then there's even you know talk that it lives in the dirt for x amount of years and so i right <laughs> i even read like it could potentially be taken up by the roots of plants and then the deer eat the plants and can get infected with cwd i, I don't you know don't take that right. as gospel, but I had read that somewhere. Right. I'd feel better about it if it was like this guy shot this deer in whatever, Wisconsin, brought it home, dumped it. It had CWD. That's where this came from. Right. Because then we at least know. <laughs> yeah. But without knowing, it's almost like you have to assume that it's been there and that a lot of deer have it. They just haven't tested them yet for it yeah and i don't know that you'll ever know you know, right really right right i guess one other thing to mention from that episode we did with the division of wildlife um we asked them you know if you shoot a deer in a disease surveillance area and it comes back positive you know that it's a, a cwd infected deer and you choose not to eat the deer, consume, you know, feed it to your family, consume the deer, uh, will they refund your tag or reissue your tag? And they said no. So just, I guess, to keep that in mind, uh, unfortunately, if you choose to throw it away and not, not consume it, which, you know, you have that, you have that right, uh, you do not get reimbursed for, your tag so anything else on uh the updates on cwd we need to go over for people uh i don't think so i i guess my big thing is if you do hunt or live in one of those townships um go to the odnr's website to kind of get a more in-depth uh, description of uh, what the rules are um, because there are you know carcass rules you know you can transport it this way you can't transport it that way you know but it's a little too in depth to just kind of go over on the podcast for the general public that isn't going to use that information right but uh yeah, go to the website I, and look and see what you can and can't do. Right. And for those same people, you know, like we said earlier, as we get closer to hunting season, check on the wildohio.gov website for where the testing stations are going to be, where the self-serve kiosks are going to be, and get get that information. I'm sure it'll be, you know, I would imagine they'll make it pretty easy to find because they're you know, they want people to follow these new regulations. So they haven't they haven't posted the new regs book yet, right? Or have they? I don't uh, 
I don't believe so. I haven't seen it. Yeah, New Reg's book isn't out. Um, The Wildlife Council has approved all of the new regulations. Um, So you can basically find most of the regulations and changes online, but the actual reg book has not been uh, published yet for the 2021-2022 season. Yeah, I just uh, I just ask because I figure there will be some sort of statement in there on you know where to get more information if you're hunting in this area, what you have to do, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, I would assume it would be in there. All right. Well, like I said at the beginning, you know, if you if you don't hunt in this area, it's still good information for what to expect when and if uh, CWD pops up in an area you do hunt. And if you do hunt in the area, stay tuned for more details, but that's kind of a high level of what to expect this fall. And I would imagine for the upcoming, you know, the foreseeable future until I'm sure they have, you know, like we saw with discontinuing the disease surveillance area, you know, the other disease surveillance area, they have some protocol on once we go, so, you know, X number of years without any new positive tests, then we can discontinue the surveillance area. So for now, that's what you should expect until uh, you hear otherwise. And like we said, when we've talked about this in the past, as we get new information, we'll do our best to relay that information to you all. So, you know, the podcast is one good way. Make sure you're subscribed, but also follow us on social because that stuff can be more timely as soon as we see something come out or we get an email from uh, the ODNR, we can make a post about that or, or mention it on social. So make sure you're following us, engaging on over there so that uh, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram think that uh, or know that you like to see things that we post. So, <laughs> Okay, so that's it for this week. Like we said, we're trying to keep you all up to date on this kind of stuff as we find new information we like to pass it on to you so that's what this episode was all about if you hear other things or or if you hunt in this area i'd be interested to hear how your experiences go this fall with harvesting deer and the check stations and um all of that so keep us in mind if uh if you're one of those uh, listeners out there and as always everybody i hope you stay safe i hope you're having a good summer and thank you all for listening we'll talk to you next week mm-hmm.